The Dental Amigos are excited to announce the most fun, the most friendly, and the most nacho-filled CE course in the history of dentistry. Join Paul and Rob on Friday, September 21st, and Saturday, September 22nd in Philadelphia with Dr. Pasquale Venuti all the way from Italy. Pasquale will be sharing innovative ways to save teeth that usually need to be extracted, along with mind-blowing techniques to improve your Class II restorations. Our signature Friday night social event will bring you face-to-face with the Amigos, as well as dentists from all over the country. Make new friends, learn, and have fun. Isn't that what Dental CE should be about? We are doing CE right. The Amigo way, the Nacho way. Register now at thedentalamigos.com. Doing CE the right way, the Nacho way, the Amigo way. Register at thedentalamigos.com, and we'll see you in September. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery. Taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Uh, Great to be here, Rob. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest. We're being joined by Gary Takis. Uh, Gary Takis' passion in the dental world is helping dentists to develop their ideal practice. Gary specializes in the business of dentistry, has a unique, in-depth knowledge of the components of a successful practice, have helped thousands of dental offices thrive in today's challenging business environment. Gary seminars, highly acclaimed audio and videotape programs, and his in-office consulting services have helped many dentists develop a more profitable and enjoyable practice. Gary's a familiar presence on the dental lecture circuit. He frequently addresses dentists and team members at national dental meetings, regional seminars, study club meetings here in the United States and internationally. And also, as we discussed uh, the last few minutes, he was the pioneer of uh, dental podcasting. Uh, Gary has a, uh, a podcast called The Thriving Dentist Show, um, and he's on to his 346th episode. It's broadcast or listened to by people in 168 countries, uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, although Gary's not a dentist, he owns a dental practice in partnership with uh, Dr. Paul Nielsen. Uh, It's called Life Smiles Dental Care, and the practice serves as a learning and teaching lab for Gary to test concepts that he could apply to his teaching and his consulting. Uh, In addition to maintaining an active speaking schedule, Gary has published over 350 articles on practice management topics in professional publications. His articles have been published in leading journals, including Dentistry Today, AGD Impact, Dental Management, Dental Business Today, Dental Update, Dental Economics, Dental Practice and Finance, and many other state dental practice journals. And now, without further ado, Here's Gary Takis. Welcome, Amigo, and thanks for being on our show today. Hey, guys. It's my pleasure to be uh, joining you on The Dental Amigos. What a treat. I love the work that you're doing and the way you have created an amazing community. Hey, community is kind of important, isn't it, Paul? Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Gary. I think what you know, you kind of uh, 
set the stage for dental podcast, and I, I think it's just a great opportunity for dentists to, and anyone in the dental industry to just uh, consume information in a way that's uh, you know, you know, free, uh, easy to do, whether you're uh, uh, driving in the car up with your new child at 3 a.m. like me. So, you know, you can listen to a <laughs> podcast. And four years ago, I didn't have that. So uh, I do remember it is it's kind of a universal thing. My dad always said to me, because I didn't sleep a lot, uh, when I was set in 1977, that was when cable television was popular. So he said, you know, at least I had cable television to keep me company. So every every new dad has to have something. So uh, I think that's awesome. You know, you said you had 346 episodes of uh, your podcast uh, and you don't miss a week doing that. That's uh, it's impressive. Uh, that's uh, how I treat nachos on a daily basis. So I'm, uh, you know, I go 365 uh, for that. So to start off, uh, we like tough questions. So if we was out there in Arizona, where would we go for nachos? And uh, what would be your, your, your topping of choice? Oh uh, well, hey! If you're out in Arizona, you're you're literally in the mecca of nachos, right? Uh, we have amazing choices here. So, Paul, next time you come out, perhaps I'll see you at the Voices of Dentistry uh, coming out in January. Uh, I'm going to take you on a nacho tour. How does? It oh, I like that. Can we film it? I will be at the Voices of Dentistry, and uh, I, uh, uh, that sounds great. What what what's your your uh, go to topping? So, well, let me tell you that the place I like uh, oh, the cool. restaurant is called. Uh, soul, uh, spelled S-O-L, so uh, that's sun in, in Spanish, but it's called uh, Soul, Soul uh, Cantina, and uh, my topic of choice has got to be guacamole, okay, and uh, my wife makes the most amazing uh, guacamole, so uh, we may have to make a detour to uh, Casa Tactics when you're here and uh, treat you to an, an amazing plate of nachos courtesy of my wife Therese. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take both of those. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll, I'll brag on her. Uh, she is uh, an extremely talented Mexican cook and uh, she does um, uh, Mexican uh, with a healthy orientation. Uh, and believe it or not, that's it's hard not to do. an oxymoron. Yeah, it's not an oxymoron, but she does healthy Mexican food. So how does that sound? It's, it sounds great. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it already. I'm going to mark it on my nacho calendar, and uh, I'll be ready for it in January. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, hey, it was fun seeing you in Philly, too. Uh, we, were, we were together uh, a little bit over a month ago, and that was a good time uh, getting together face-to-face, wasn't that? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I you know, I've tell Rob a lot. Uh, it's interesting, you know, as dentists and dental people, you kind of develop these friendships through Facebook or online, and then, but it is still just awesome to meet uh, human face to human face sometimes. So that's, uh, that was great with the Kois <laughs> and Jason Olitsky. So that was a lot of fun. I always get confused. It's like, uh, you know, when we saw Jason, it's like, well, Jason, I just saw you last week. Well, I did on Facebook. Right. right? Yeah, no, they're part of your life. <laughs> I know that. So uh, yeah. I agree. Powerful thing these yeah. days, but it, like you said, it's, it is cool to be able to actually have physical interaction and, and actually talk to people in a yeah. room too. Um, but it's neat, as you said. I mean, it, you are the godfather of dental podcasting, and the fact that you know, there are people in 168 countries that are listening to you is really an amazing thing. And that's you know, we enjoy doing the podcasting too, uh, just because it's it's great, a great way to reach so many people and, and deliver meaningful content. But you know, on without this is not you know. Making this up, we have Gary to thank for yeah. being the pioneer with that. So it's really it's cool. It's special well, for us to have you here. Thank you guys. It's a labor of love, and uh, I always tell uh, uh, you know tell my audience that uh, I, I would continue to do podcasting uh, even if nobody listened, just because I, I love talking to the guests. 
you know um paul you and i had such a good time on uh you know on, on the interview i did with you on, on my show and uh, you know it's just such a treat and i think one of the most rewarding aspects of this work and i'm sure it happens to you as well uh but i get i get a handful of emails every week from young dentists all over the world that just say hey thanks i i got one recently from a dentist in malawi now um hmm. can i put you on the spot paul sure that's, that's part of my whole life so i'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> do you know where malawi is I, I do not geography uh zach braff is one of my favorite actors from scrubs and he said this and says that geography is one of my real weaknesses so it's not it's not it's not a nacho strength geography <laughs> can i feel a guess okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think central <laughs> africa kind of like in the the botswana <laughs> neighborhood maybe yeah you're very close it's actually a small landlocked country in southeastern africa now, how I know that is I had to look it up on Google Maps because although I am pretty good at geography, that was uh, one of the subjects in school that I, I enjoyed and did well with. I had no idea where Malawi was, so I looked it up. So anyways, young Dennis writes me, and he says, you know, hey, Gary, he said his name, and he said, I'm writing to you from uh, Malawi, he sent me an email, and he said, uh, I'm one uh, uh, of only 250 dentists in the entire country of Malawi of 19 million people. Well, it's good demographics. Let that yeah. think. Let, let, I was going to say, so for your listeners, uh, here's a tip. Go somewhere where you're one of 250 dentists out of 19 million. Because, Paul, I think there's 250 dentists in my building. Yeah, no, yeah, that's it. That's, oh, that's okay, it. okay, okay, wait, wait, I'm kidding, but not really. Um, I, I believe there are 250 dentists, seriously, uh, within five miles of my office for sure. Uh, but anyway, he went on to write. He said, "Gary, there's no organized dentistry in Malawi. There's no organized anything." He said, "If I have, to, if I want to take a CE course, the nearest place I can take a CE course is a two-day drive to South Africa. Two days." He said, "More likely, what I do is once a year I jump on an airplane and through uh, three change of planes I end up in London and I stay for a week of conferences in, in London. That's how I get my CE." But he said, "Hey, thanks to your podcast, I now get an hour every week." downloaded to my iPhone, and I'm just writing to say thanks. Uh, and I got to tell you, it's, it's emails like that that make it all worthwhile. And I know you guys have those as well, and your wonderful community on Facebook, you get that kind of feedback as well. So uh, it really does uh, make it worthwhile. And, and hey, the rising tide really does raise all boats. So, I, I appreciate uh, sharing that story, uh, Gary, because I, for well before Dental Nachos, would encourage slash kindly uh, annoy dentists to come to CE courses. So I'm going to say, uh, would you sign up for my CE course? You only have to walk down the street, not do a two-day drive to get a CE. So I appreciate you giving me that talking point to encourage these dentists in Philly. So yeah, I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, uh, uh, kind of reminds me of my my you know my grandparents now saying, "Oh, you kids these days, you know, get yeah. off my lawn." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, imagine there's dentists around the world that are so hungry for CE that they'll drive two days to get it. They don't have to walk 10 blocks, right? Uh, but uh, we, these are amazing times. Uh, pardon my enthusiasm for our profession, but uh, these are amazing times. We live in amazing times, and uh, uh, it's a great time to be in the dental profession, that's for sure. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Sounds good. So with, with that in mind, Gary, how did you get into the dental business? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I would love to tell you that from the time I was, a, you know, a toddler, uh, I wanted to be a dental coach, uh, and that be true. Uh, but I, uh, I attended the University of Oregon. Um, I'm a duck. Um, and actually, let me clarify that I'm a fighting duck. They're not just regular ducks, you know, <laughs> right. 
so anyway, uh, I tell you years ago again, they had a young family uh, in college. Uh, we had uh, two children, and uh, I had to make a living, so I had to work full time while I went to school. And uh, I ended up working as a law clerk for a law firm that specialized in working with physicians and dentists. Don't figure. Uh, yeah, and I was able to get odd shifts. I was able to work, you know, uh, late shifts and early. As long as I worked forty hours a week, I could I could uh, uh, pay my bills. So uh, they gave me the opportunity to to be a clerk working odd hours. And uh, this firm uh, was. Uh, uh, at that time, uh, known as Mercer, you might be familiar with it. Sure. Um, and I started out literally. Uh, my skill was uh, that I knew how to press the green button on the copy machine. <laughs> so uh, I was good. I, I, I mean, I, I had that down. I literally had a guy I could press that copy machine button with the best of them. Um, I'd worked there about two weeks, and our our lead attorney and the the, the firm was uh, named after him. Uh, Kendrick Mercer, Rick Mercer. I've worked there. There's about, at that time, I think we had about 80, 80 team members, about 80 staff, you know, attorneys, uh, legal assistants, uh, paralegals, uh, partners. Uh, there were about 80, maybe 75, 80 staff. And I didn't think he even knew my name because basically I lived, you know, in the workroom, in the copy room. Uh, but uh, about two weeks after I'd started, uh, Rick was a real visionary. And at the time, the firm was in Oregon serving clients in Oregon, Washington, and Northern California. And he was expanding it to be nationwide and was going to be advising physicians and dentists all over the country. So he wanted to deliver a high level of customer service. So he bought a 1957 Silver Cloud Rolls Royce and had it delivered to our office from a, a classic a car dealer. And it was delivered to our office this day. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is uh, in the early 1980s. And it gets delivered, and we're up on the seventh floor of this uh, mid-rise office building. And uh, everyone wanted to go to the window to look down in the parking lot to see this uh, beautiful 1957 Rolls Royce. And uh, as everyone's doing this, uh, Rick was a real visionary, but, but he didn't always have a handle on the details. So he had bought this car, but he hadn't figured out that the car wasn't going to go by itself out to the airport to pick up clients. You know, the autonomous car wasn't around in 1980. Uh, so someone was going to have to drive it. So he had this rich baritone voice, and I'm there making copies at the copy machine. And he says, uh, hey, Gary, come here. And I, I point to me. I didn't think he even knew my name. I only worked there about two weeks. And I, I marched right over to him, and, and uh, he said, Gary, can you drive a Rolls Royce? I said, sir, <laughs> if, if it involves keeping this job, yes, sir, I can. Gary, I uh, want to say because I have a, I have young associates, and I know you too. That shows if you do a simple job well, you you were green button guy, and he probably didn't know your uh -huh. name. He probably just went to someone there and said, "What's yeah. green button guy's name?" And they go, oh, "That's Gary." And very much like exactly. the Karate Kid, it's wax on, wax off. You know, you're going to be doing a crane <laughs> kick at the end. <laughs> exactly. I, I believe that the, what you said was the true version. I don't think he knew my name, but he asked someone. And anyway, he literally threw me the keys. It was 10 in the morning. He threw me the keys. He said, uh, uh, please pick up Dr. Baker at 2 o'clock at the airport. Uh, and literally, now we still lived in married student housing. We lived in a 521-square-foot duplex. And I know you guys and your entire audience will find this unbelievable. But I had to, I had to take the car home because I had to pick clients up at odd hours, you know, it, it, it might be, you know, midnight flight. It might be, you know, seven in the morning. So I had to take the Rolls Royce home. And believe it or not, it was the only 1957 Silver Cloud Rolls Royce in the in the married student housing parking lot at our <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it started. And, and I, uh, 
uh, early on, I was on my way to law school, and, and Rick was a wonderful mentor, and, and uh, uh, I did become, uh, uh, he, he was very, very, very uh, influential in my life in terms of knowledge and influence. And early on, he asked me, he said, hey, what kind of law do you want to practice? I said, really, I don't want to practice law. I just want to get a law degree, and I want to use it in, in some kind of business capacity, probably in a consulting capacity, because I heard a legal degree is, is useful in that capacity. And he said, hey, I could uh, take 15 minutes one night and share with you what they're going to drag out for three years in law school, and uh, I could give you the kind of the cliff notes, and we'd be happy to offer you an apprenticeship in the practice management division. And I said, great. What's practice management? And uh, he said, well, that's where we work with our physicians and dentists to, to help them uh, improve the business side of their practice. Uh, and uh, that, that sounded like music to my ears. So I spent a number of years uh, apprenticing uh, and over that time period. I, and I ended up specializing on, the, uh, specializing on the dental side and ended up working with uh, about 500 dentists under their wings. And uh, at some point, I felt like I had learned enough to hang my own shingle, and in 1989, I, I hung a shingle and started my own firm, and I've been working with Dennis ever since. Wow, it's a cool story. I think it's you know uh, uh, just this whole concept of Dennis and do doctors needing to work on business is just a tale as old as time because you know I, I actually believe the skills that make you a good dentist or doctor clinically just hamper you as a business person because they're just. You know, True. I don't know. I don't know how to. And uh, you need to develop them, and no one really helps you develop them or tells you how to. And then when you get out there, um, it's really a, mostly about that, and it's just a super is a challenge. I think it was cool, and I do want to know how did your wife describe to the other people uh, people in the complex that you guys were driving the Rolls Royce? <laughs> well, I played it up. Uh, I, I went out and got a, a chauffeur's cap, <laughs> right, and white gloves. Um, <laughs> And I literally, man, I, I was going to play my role. And, you know, this was the same car. You, you guys might remember this, or at least some of your listeners might remember it. There was a famous Grey Poupon mustard yeah, commercial. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that It too. was that car. It was literally that. We had the picnic baskets in the back. It was literally that car. Uh, and so I would take my daughter, uh, who was uh, then five years old, uh, my oldest daughter, I would take her to kindergarten. Uh, in that car, and I, play, I would wear the, the cap and the gloves, and I'd open the door like she was a princess. Well, you, you have to understand my daughter a little bit. Um, to this day, she does not like attention drawn to her. And so, of course, uh, I had to do it because... <laughs> Every know, good dad does. Dad's sure. role. Yeah. yeah. So I would open the door, and I, I would literally you know, at, bow to the princess, and, and she would run as fast as she could away from the car. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a funny story. Uh, Rick moved the firm, relocated the firm from Eugene, Oregon to Santa Barbara, California. And uh, this Rolls Royce had to get down to uh, Santa Barbara. And his personal car, this was now 1983, his personal car was a uh, Porsche uh, uh, Carrera. Uh, the first year they made the convertible uh, available again. So it was a 911 SC Carrera. And so uh, uh, we ended up, my wife and I ended up caravanning down uh, from Eugene, Oregon to Santa Barbara. I, I drove the Porsche, she drove the Rolls Royce. Um, and uh, the way it worked with the firm was, of course, they paid all the travel expenses, the gas and everything, but we had to pay our hotel. So um, we were, you know, poor young kids at this time. And uh, so we stayed at a Motel 6. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that Rolls Royce. Well, you, you did a lot of explaining there, but you have to tell me I'm going to get a nacho colored car and pick and take my daughter to pre, uh, preschool this week. So I, pre, I appreciate it. Um, so to answer to answer your question though, the, the way my wife explained it was, she said, "Oh, he's a driver." That's he's a good. That's a good. You really press the green button. He's the green button guy, and he's turning the driver. That's great. Um, now, now I'm a driver. I went from green button guy to uh, to Rolls Royce driver. And uh, I have to tell you, though, it, it was a fascinating experience because uh, I would pick up the clients at the airport. I get to spend a lot of time with them. I'd ask them about their practice. I'd ask them about their families, and it, it was just a wonderful way to my uh, people skills and and to understand more about you know what our clients were all about and what 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 influenced them. And, and to this day, uh, uh, I even have a client uh, dating, dating back to we've, in 1982, 36 years ago. And he, we, we often uh, reminisce about the first time I picked him up at the airport in the Rolls Royce. And here it is, 36 years later. That's great, Rolls Royce, to say there. That's it. I mean, pers- you have personal connections and people you know, have their trusted advisors and you develop those relationships over time. And so uh, the more that you get to know people, I think the, the easier it is to help them and the, the, the better you're able to help them if you understand what they what their wants are and what their goals are and what's important in their lives and to be able to deliver, you know, what is not one size fits all consulting, right? You know, what's good for Paul Goodman is not good for Jeff Goodman, right? Yeah, and it's uh, it's just also shows gets back to, you know, the face to face conversations you have. Like when I encourage Dennis to come to see uh, they asked me what the topic is, and a lot of times I say it doesn't matter. I said what matters is coming to the event, talking to dentists 10 years older than you, talking to dentists 20 years older than you, maybe an older dentist who wants to sell their practice in a few years, seeing what it's like for younger dentists, and the real magic happens at the lunch times and the sponsors, you know, seeing the sponsors, and the, the topic is just, you know, the, the foundation for it. So I, I, uh, I really like that story. I, in in uh, Philadelphia, I really enjoyed your presentation about talked about you know the changing nature of dental insurance and how to deal with it one of the questions that i was hoping you could share with our listeners is you know she's been doing this for a long time uh you know the worsening of dental insurance for dentists uh can you share with us like why you think that's happening or why they're resistant to changing the yearly maximums i mean i know you just have so much knowledge in this space i know you might not have all the answers to why but i'm just curious to hear your thoughts yeah you know paul it's such a, a wonderful topic uh uh, because, you know, one of the challenges facing dentistry today is, is declining profitability. Uh, you know, sadly, the ADA, our association, tells us that the, the average solo dentist uh, in 2017 had, had practice overhead of 74%. And overhead is defined in that definition as uh, all the expenses necessary to run your practice with the exception of owner-doctor compensation. And doctors, if you're overhead 74%, you're working too hard for too little. And uh, you deserve better than that. Our goal with our clients is to have overhead no higher than 60%, ideally 50%. Now, that's not easy to do, uh, but I can uh, confidently tell you that that is possible today. And the single greatest reason why overhead is is uh, going down, uh, or excuse me, overhead is going up and profitability is going down, is because of the influence of third-party payers. When you sign up for a PPO plan, you agree to their uh, fee schedule. And they don't care a whip about your profitability. So they just, oh, Dr. Goodman, you just bought a CBCT. Well, listen, I'm going to raise your fees because you've got to pay for that $150,000 piece of equipment. Uh, so you, I'm going to give you some more money. They don't do that at all. Uh, so I'm saddened by um, one of the trends that's going on in our, in our profession right now. And that's that there are many dentists at every stage of their career 
And this could be a young dentist, this could be a mid-career dentist, this could be a late-career dentist. There are many dentists at every stage of their career feel like they have no choice other than to sign up for the PPO plans. Uh, in fact, the practice we bought, when Paul and I, uh, Paul Nielsen and I bought that practice in May of 07, it was infected with PPO plans. The previous dentist participated with 34 PPO plans. Uh, I didn't know there were 34 in Arizona in 2007. Uh, in fact, his only marketing strategy was to sign up for PPO plans. That was his only marketing strategy. So I'm saddened when dentists at every stage of their career, well, Gary, you don't understand. I have no choice. Uh, such and such is a big employer in our town, and they have Delta insurance. I've got to sign up for Delta. And what I try to tell them is, Doctor, you've, I'm not suggesting you do this capriciously. You have to be careful about it. You have to be strategic. But I can show you how to reduce the number of PPOs in your practice by going out and finding patients that don't have insurance. Because when they don't have insurance, that's a wonderful situation because they don't ask you, Dr. Goodman, are you a network? It's an, it's an irrelevant question if they don't have insurance. I mean, that's so great. That's great content. I don't want to interrupt. I just want to interject something because I... Uh, for our listeners and, and, and for Rob, you're one of the few people who have the opportunity to teach a practice management course to dental students. And what I, I feel so strongly about is, you know, we don't teach dentists to say no, to not take candy from strangers until they're talking to the stranger. And at least what you do in talking to dental students, and I'm just so passionate about this, is if we were to train dental students to think about this when they're in dental school, they would be armed with more information to say yes or no when a PPO comes across their office. But when they're in private practice, they're just so fear-based, which is understandable, that they think more patients equals more money, and it a lot of times has the opposite effect. I'm reminded, uh, you guys might remember uh, uh, the famous sitcom, you know, the Lucille Ball show. And, uh, you know, remember when they were working in the chocolate factory? Right. Uh, on the assembly line of the chocolate factory, and, and you know they just couldn't work fast enough. Ended up shoving the chocolate. Her uh, Lucy and Ethel ended up shoving the chocolate in their face, you know, to try to keep up with the assembly line. And, and sadly, that that reminds me of how some dentists feel, you know, in their work today. They feel like they, uh, you know, they're the proverbial rat on the treadmill, and the only way to to do better is just to pedal faster. Uh, I had a young dentist in Detroit. Uh, come up to me, and uh, you, you guys will appreciate this. Uh, I was lecturing in Detroit, and the young dentist came up to me, and, and uh, he, he said, Gary, I, I, I understand what you're saying intellectually, but he said, yeah, I'm a young dentist, I, I'm getting my practice going, and, uh, you know, I had um, I had one of these PPO uh, salesmen, you know, come up to me and say, well, if you're not busy, you should sign up for, for these PPO plans and fill your chair when you're not busy. And he said, you know, it, it makes sense to me. And he said, I know I lose money on those PPO plans, but I figure I'm going to make it up with volume. <laughs> okay, think about that for a minute. Think, just, just let that sink in for a minute. I know I lose money on every one of those patients I see, but I figure I'm going to make it up with volume. Well, right, I, I, I was just meeting this dentist, and I didn't know a lot about his background, but I did know one thing at this point. One thing, Paul. I knew he was not a math major as an Yeah, right. I also understand only dentists, I mean, and Rob, I've learned so much from Rob, and I've taught him about nachos, so it's pretty even, even Stephen here in this relationship. <laughs> and he's taught me about being purposeful and having awareness. And, you know, I'll say with full disclosure, uh, I've come to Rob and thought I wanted to purchase this additional practice. And he's kindly but firmly told me that that was not a good idea and told me the why behind it. So it's great to have an advisor like that. I think it's great to have an advisor who's not a dentist like that uh, because... Uh, it just, they're not infected with the dentist mentality. 
But whenever I uh, dentists say they want to be busy, I'm like, who wants to be busy? I mean, when in life are you busy? And you're like, oh, I'm so glad to be busy. And it's just a feeling. It's not a thinking. I know this. So dentists do a lot of feeling instead of thinking. And if you went into people's practices who were successful, it doesn't mean that they make the most money. That's not the measure of success. You would see that they have a patient volume and flow that's uh, manageable. But the ones that are just so busy, it's like they've um, let things get out of control from feeling like they want to just see as many patients as possible without cross-checking their bottom line. And as a transitions person, and Rob and I get a chance to work together on this a lot, there's one area of the P&L which is going up and the dentist cannot do anything about it uh, as I sell practice, and that's supplies. Because you said something mm -hmm. valuable, Gary, a million dollar practice that writes off $200,000 still has to buy supplies for a million dollar practice. And then when they write off 300,000, they still have to buy supplies for that. So when a young dentist says, why are their supplies so high or going up? I say it has nothing to do with them. It's just that the write-offs are increasing and you still have to buy as many, you know, cotton rolls and anesthetic and impression materials. And I, I, I'm really find that to be a real significant problem right now. Well, you know, the other well, thing you're too- you're spot on. Spot, you're spot on on that because when you participate with PPOs, you, you have the expenses of your gross production, your, your total production, but you only have the revenue of your net collections. So in our case, when we looked at our, we had 34 PPO plans in our practice, the average adjustment, the average, now this is the average, was 38%. So we're getting, at that time, we were getting 62 cents on the dollar, and yet our expenses were ba based on the full dollar. And that's where the, the, you know, the combination of those two effects, the, the increased expenses and then the lower collections, lower revenue that comes in, really creates a squeeze to, to where it's creating the profitability crisis in dentistry. And the great news is there is a solution moving forward. And, and what is that? Well, I, I think it's to, again, sensibly, I'm not suggesting that uh, every one of your listeners should resign from every PPO plan and be a fee-for-service practice. That does not make sense. Uh, but it's reducing the insurance dependency by going out and, and mastering marketing. Uh, you know, uh, I, I tell doctors that from this moment forward, I want you to think of your adjustments. Let's say you have that million-dollar practice, uh, and in our case, uh, it was a 38% adjustment. You have a million-dollar practice, um, and you're, you're able only able to collect 620000 out of that because of your PPO contracts. Think of that 380000 Think of that as a marketing expense because you are paying the insurance company to provide you patients. And the, the question I always ask Dennis is, does that make sense? Well, the only honest answer to that is it depends. It depends. Look at that number and then ask yourself, could I spend less than that and produce a better result? Um, and, I mean, the answer in my, in my book is absolutely. If you think of that as a marketing expense, now your accountant's going to argue with you about that because you're not actually spending the money. I'm using spending in air quotes. But it's as if you're spending it because that's literally you're paying the insurance company to provide you patients. And so we found, that, and we found this with clients all over the country, we could spend a fraction of that and produce a much better result and the, the better result of patients choosing you for reasons other than just because you're on my insurance. Now, the truth is you could get a good patient who's a, a, a PPO member that could be a good patient, or it could also be a patient that has a high insurance mentality that says, I'm only going to have this done if insurance covers it. When you go outside of that and you bring people in that don't have insurance, 
they don't have that same degree of mentality. They're interested in their health. Uh, they don't have this third party paying for everything. So they start to break out of that insurance mentality. We find that they're better patients, and I'm using better in, in the sense of being interested in uh, their health instead of just being interested in what might be covered by insurance. And the cool thing is the universe of people that don't have insurance is growing. Uh, and I point to three specific trends in particular. Let me, let me, uh, may I take a minute and talk about those for just a minute? Absolutely. So number one, uh, retired folks. I mean, uh, my dad uh, worked uh, his entire life for uh, Ford Motor Company. And when he retired, he had benefits for the rest of his life. Sadly, I lost my dad five years ago, but, uh, you know, he had benefits throughout his life. That isn't happening anymore. Uh, you know, it's simply uh, not viable for companies to provide lifetime benefits. So in most cases, when people retire, there's a short period of time where they get their benefits and they have to pay for it themselves, and that's when they usually drop out. So more and more retired folks don't have uh, dental insurance. A second group would be younger people in the workforce. Uh, these would be people in their 20s and 30s that aren't established yet, you know, maybe in their careers, and they maybe don't have jobs that provide those benefits. And then there's a third group of people, and, and those would be uh, independent contractors and freelancers. Uh, and they typically don't have benefits because of the independent nature of their work. And, and I'm going to use uh, a descriptive to describe one group of people that fit in that third category that I think gives you some insight into how big that category is. Uber drivers. Hmm. Uber drivers. Now, they don't have insurance through Uber. So my point is, if you look at it, the universe of people that don't have insurance is expanding. Let's go out and find some of those instead of just sucking up to the insurance company and having them send us patients because we're on their plane. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I, I, that's a great way to look at this. And, and, and this is the first time I've, I've really heard... Uh, the Gary Takis sermon on that on that subject, yeah. you know, and I think it's it's fascinating. And I think what you know really, it, it, that's a very powerful thing to look at this as though it's a marketing expense. And I think, you know, back up to the, you know the guy that told you that he knew he was losing money. Honestly, Gary, I mean, he's not at sort of the bottom of his class because I think a lot of people will be in that same situation and not even realize they're losing money. Right. You know, this guy, right. he's kind of a little ahead of the game. He realizes he's losing money, but I think. You know, hearing all this to me is just reinforces this is why it's so important to work with people, to work with consultants who can help you with your practice, who can take a step back and approach a problem or approach your business in a different way. And, you know, to there's so many people, I think, that would look at this and say, yeah, you know, um, but that it's going to cost me money to, to hire somebody to do that. You know, and it's the same analysis. If you're looking at the, the PPO, how much money are you spending to, to attract patients? It's really a marketing expense. How much money will you make or how much more revenue will you have if you hire somebody that helps get you on the right track? You know, and I think so many dentists and anybody, I think, that's really a, has a smaller or medium-sized business, I think a lot of people fall into that sort of depression baby mentality that, gee, what if the phone doesn't ring? What if there aren't any more patients? You know, I started this practice or I bought this practice and you get in this mentality it's, and it's easy to do, especially as a professional. And I've sometimes been there. Like, what if, you sure. know, like I, I better not turn this person away because there may not be another one. And, and sometimes 
that's just an entirely irrational uh, approach, and, and, and it's not rooted in any kind of reality at all. You have a thriving business, you have a thriving practice, there's no reason just to keep piling on. But I think it's really important to have somebody, as Paul said at the outset, who is you know, not a dentist, who's not in, involved in your practice per, as a partner or whatever, to say, hey, you know what? This is, this is not working. You, there's a better way to do this. You can approach this in an entirely different way. Think about it this way. And that there's a huge benefit to that. And that's really you know, what we talk about a lot on the show is just being, being purposeful with, with how you, you run your business. Rob, you bring up a, a great point, and you know, there's there's plenty of examples of how I, I like to think of the work that I do as coaching. Um, you know, uh, sometimes the words coach and consultant are used interchangeably. I, I like to think of the work that, that I do and my team does as, as coaching. And there's so many examples of how coaches and consultants can bring added value uh, to whatever your work is. You know, I, I have a quick case study uh, I'll, I'll share with you real quick. Uh, uh, a, a client of ours that we've been working with for uh, about the last year, when we started working together, uh, he had uh, adjustments of about 30%. Uh, this was a nice, strong practice, uh, but 30% of it was uncollectible every year because of because of his insurance adjustments. And uh, over time, uh, and he was getting frustrated by it. He was feeling like the proverbial rat on the treadmill. And uh, in the last year, uh, we have successfully dropped out the lower lower 40% of his PPO plans. Um, he had uh, about 20 plans uh, in his practice, and we're now down to about 12. Um, and we're, we're sort of uh, pausing at this point to take inventory and see how we're doing, but we've successfully uh, resigned from uh, 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 40% of his, the, the PPO plans that were the lowest fee schedule and the, 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 the biggest negative impact on his practice. And, and here we are coming up on, on the anniversary of our working together. Uh, we've significantly, the, the interesting thing is by dropping out those 40% of his plans, uh, we have almost doubled his net income. Uh, because, you know, he was generating all those expenses. So now the 40% of those expenses are, 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 are gone. Uh, and we're increasing his profitability. So, uh, and then I'd say we're doing it sensibly. It's not a matter of just, you know, just capriciously resigning from all 20 of the PPO plans. Uh, and then he's enjoying one thing. He said, Hey, I'm more productive than I've ever been. My income is, is, is much more where it should be. I'm fully funding a pension plan. Uh, I, I have a dedicated plan to now get to have no debt. Uh, he's going to be debt free in a couple of years. Uh, and he said, I, I have a whole different outlook. And he said, most importantly, he said, I'm loving dentistry again because I'm doing the kind of dentistry I love. I'm spending more time with our patients. Uh, and I, I get to do more of the dentistry that I love. So, I mean, it's really a wonderful story of success measured in a lot of different ways, not just financial, but in enjoyment in his practice. He's now enjoying it a lot more because he's doing the kind of stuff he loves to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, working more and making less, you know, is, is never good for, for anybody's <laughs> no. life plan, right? Yeah, not a good life plan. So, you know, and seriously, that, you know, that, and, and Paul, I know you're, uh, you've got to be struggling with this right now with a new board. I love your photos. You're, oh. you're, you're the one-handed bandito. Yeah. Uh, uh, right now, because your other hand is occupied holding your little one. <laughs> I know you, you type know, with one hand uh, and uh, hold the baby with the other. 
I'm impressed. You're you're a multi talented <laughs> amigo. Uh, you, you know, you can hold the baby with one hand and, and eat nachos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've drank a margarita, too. When I get the margaritas, put the baby down. I got priorities. So, you know, I just had some stranger to Mary order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but but in, in, all, in all seriousness, I mean, uh, I think uh, it's really important to, to work on work-life balance. Um, there's times where I feel like it's really elusive. I'll be candid. Uh, work-life balance. But... Uh, you know, it's important to have time with your family. It's important to have time with your hobbies and interests. Uh, I believe that makes you a, a, a better dentist, if that makes any sense. You know, you come to your work with more purpose and more intention. You're there. You know, in our practice, uh, we're a five-day-a-week practice. We're open Monday through Friday. Monday through Thursday, we're open from 7 to 4. Uh, and Friday, we're open 7 to 2, 7 a.m. to 2. Uh, and I have two dentists, Dr. Paul Nielsen, Dr. Kim Schmidt, uh, uh, by choice, both doctors work three days a week. Paul works Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tim works Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And that's by choice. Uh, so I shared with him, I said, if I could show you how to produce in three days a week uh, what you're currently producing in four, would you have any interest in that? Hey, Paul, guess how long it took them to say yes on that one. So, Dr. Goodman, um, if I could show you how to produce in three days a week what you used to produce in four, would you have any interest in that? Oh, every dentist would say that because, you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's just uh, I tell Robin, you know, maybe we can set this up for you, Gary. I don't know how that until you dentist in a person's mouth all day long, you don't know how exhausting that is on you physically, mentally and emotionally. And, uh, you know, to do that for decades is just just there's a lot of wear and tear on you. And uh, when you can manage that in an earlier part of your career where you're not stressing yourself out too much on all those levels, you can you can dentist longer. And like you said, with more purpose. And that's one of Rob's you know main focus here. I, I believe, uh, by the way, I, I do have a firsthand experience of that. Uh, Paul did a beautiful 10-unit upper anterior porcelain veneer case for my wife. Um, and uh, while she was in temporaries, uh, number seven popped off. Now, I'm sure you've never had that happen, Paul. That's never happened. Never, no, not once. Nothing, nothing ever has gone astray in my practice. So uh, anyway, um, I land, I was lecturing on a Friday, and I land back in Phoenix, and my phone's blowing up uh, from my wife. Uh, so, oh, what, what, this happens. I said, no problem, no problem. Um, I'll call Paul, and um, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll meet you. At, you know, we'll go to the office. We'll, this happens. Do you still have the veneer? She said, yeah, I have it. it. It came off in one piece. I have it in my hand. Um, I call Paul. It turns out he's skiing in Utah. So, But he says, hey, Gary, no problem. I'll walk you through it. You're going to stop at Walgreens on the way home. You're going to get some of that temporary cement, and you're going to do it. So I call my wife and say, honey, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, but the bad news is Paul's skiing in Utah. Um, the good news is I'm going to um, re-cement that veneer for you. And literally the phone goes like this at that point. What was the good news? Gary, what was the yeah, good right. news? So uh, I um, proceeded to re-cement number seven um, with her on the couch, holding a flashlight in one hand, holding the phone in my other hand, uh, with it on speakerphone with Paul giving me instructions. Now, Paul, um, the instructions say, have you ever seen that cement, the temporary cement that you can get like at Walgreens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mix it up. It's like the paste. Remember the paste we used to eat in kindergarten? You know, the, the school paste, the school glue, it's yes, like that. Yes. It's like this gummy paste. And it says, layer it on, on a, in a micro-thin layer. A micro, I don't think Gordon Christensen himself could layer that on, on a micro-thin layer. 
Right. Okay, so I goop it on there, uh, and, I, and I've learned now. This is pro, uh, is your show uh, uh, G rated? Uh, your uh, Dental Amigos podcast. I'll, I'll keep it G rated, but uh, she's she's on the couch, and I'm trying to figure out how to get in the right position. Do it. The only way I could really do this was to straddle her. I don't believe they teach that uh, technique in dental school. Yeah, they they, they do uh, not. You're you're a nice husband to to do that. It's you know you end up in a lawyer's yeah, office yeah, if, yeah, if you yeah, yeah. that technique. <laughs> Uh, can you can you just picture the scene uh, holding the flashlight? I had to put the, the phone down and put it on speaker so I could use my other hand. Well, needless to say, I, I couldn't get that thing uh, there. That's true, Gary. You're a good tell- husband, so I give you give you credit oh, yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, she proceeded to tell me that uh, I was the worst dental assistant she's ever worked with. Uh, <laughs> anyway, fortunately, uh, this was before we had Tim in our practice, and I was able to call a really good friend of mine. I'll give him a, a shout out, Dr. Rod Gore. Rod lives about a mile from our practice, so uh, we went down uh, to the office, and, and Rod. Uh, re- reseated number seven and Rod and Therese confirmed I was the dental assistant for him in that appointment and uh, Rod and my wife proceeded to reinforce the fact that I was the very worst dental assistant they'd ever worked with uh, so I have newfound appreciation for the work that you guys do every day because uh, That's a- that was uh, indoctrination by fire uh, and uh, the great news is everything came out great. Uh, the, she, the, the, the units came back from the lab the next week. Uh, Paul seated the final units, and uh, she has a gorgeous uh, smile now, courtesy of Dr. Uh, Paul Nielsen. So that's a hilarious story. Well. That's a great story, Gary. Hey, Gary, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the time today uh, to be on the show. Um, if uh, if people want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way that they can contact you? that a couple ways. Uh, first of all, I think if you like the Dental Amigos, uh, you'll enjoy the Thriving Dentist Show podcast. So you can find the Thriving Dentist Show on iTunes. Uh, if you're an Apple guy, if you're uh, more of an Android operating system person, probably listening on a Samsung phone, you can find it on Google Play. Just type in Thriving Dentist Show. Uh, and if you'd like to reach out to me, uh, thrivingdentist.com. Uh, is uh, the website. You can uh, find all the shows on the thriving, uh, thrivingdentist.com. And also, if you'd like to reach out to me personally, uh, send me an email, uh, gary at tacus, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Uh, gary at tacus, T-A-K-A-C-S, learningcenter.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And hey, guys, uh, Rob and, and, and Paul, I want to thank you for the awesome work that you're doing. Uh, you know, this this concept of community, and, and I love the story of how it became the nachos, I mean, at, at Dental Amigos. I, I just love the, the fun analogy. But, hey, you're making dentistry fun. Uh, you're making it a community. You're connecting people. Uh, the awesome work that you're doing in the transition world uh, to, to help young dentists get into practice ownership position and help senior dentists successfully transfer their practice. Uh, you guys are doing amazing work, and uh, I want to take my hat off to you and, and thank you for all the amazing work that you guys are doing. Really appreciate that, Gary. It means a lot. Thank you very and much. And thanks for all you did, and thanks for, uh, for, for starting the whole dental podcast world. Hey, it's been fun. As uh, you know, uh, we live in, in some wonderful times. I'm a geek. I'm, I'm a nerd. I don't mind admitting it. Uh, you know, I wear that badge with honor. And, uh, it's pretty cool when you could, uh, uh, you know, in the morning drive or the morning run, the walk, walking the dog, you can get some good information and, and uh, learn something that you can apply in your practice. So uh, it's kind of a fun world that we live in these days. Uh, and I will uh, see you in January for that dual nacho offer. I will not forget that, oh, Gary. So. Uh, I, I'm going to challenge my wife to uh, uh, to really uh, prepare a nacho plate extraordinaire. So, so uh, uh, you might want to fast for. Uh, I will. Uh, I wear my sweatpants. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and definitely wear the elastic pants <laughs> for sure. Thanks so much, Gary. Thanks, Gary. 
Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.